the word today. Genesis 37, I'm going to be talking about a young man by the name of Joseph. Genesis 37, we're going to start at verse 12, and I'm kind of going to be moving around a little bit uh, just for the sake of uh, drama, really, and uh, so, so try and keep up. 37, verse 12 to 14. Dylan, you want to throw that up there, man? And here we go. Then, then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, so here's the father saying to his son, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. Good young man, right? Willing to do whatever his dad tells him to do. Then he said to him, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks, and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron, and he went to Shechem. Let's skip down to verse 18. Verse 18, now when the brothers saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Now, little, little backstory. Joseph was father's favorite. They felt like he was uh, lifted up above all of them. They didn't feel it was favorite. He was a baby of the family. And so they were jealous, right? So they decide, let's kill this guy. Then they said to one another, look, the dreamer is coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, some wild beasts have devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, the oldest brother, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him. And Reuben was thinking that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Skip now to verse 26. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him into the Ishmaelites, and let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother, and our flesh and his brothers listened. So they're, they're about to sell their brother into slavery. Here we go. Verse 28. Oh, no. Now we're going to jump. So here they are, okay? The brothers have decided we're going to throw them in a pit. We're not going to kill them. We're going to sell them into slavery. Pretty dire situation. I mean, I've had some sibling rivalry. I have two sisters, you know. I mean, I guess there's times I've thought about selling my sister. But, but really, uh, at the end of the day, I've loved my siblings. So I've never been quite in this situation. But Joseph finds himself in a pretty tough situation. Let's, let's go now to Genesis 41, 37. So this is four chapters later. Four chapters later. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all of his servants. This is Joseph. He's now had the opportunity to give some advice to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And uh, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all of this, there is no one as discerning and as wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed them in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Finally, verse 43. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Four chapters earlier, we have a young man being sold into slavery. Four chapters later, we have a man who's now over all of Egypt except for the Pharaoh. I don't know about you. I I mean, I, I can do math. And something just doesn't equal up here. 
The beginning of the story doesn't equal the end of the story. Something's wrong. How, how does he get from slavery into kingship? And so today, for a few moments, I just want to speak to you about, uh, on this subject. Your yesterday does not equal your today. So let's pray, and we'll get into this. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to minister your word. I pray, God, that you would just have your way in this place. We're believing you for a powerful move. We're believing you, God, that you'll change some mindsets, some hearts, and let people know that there is hope for their future, hope for today. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Your yesterday does not equal your today. Growing up, uh, growing up uh, might have been different, uh, but, but school. Everyone here, like most of us, we went to school, right? You went to school? Yes? Okay. Um, well, I, I don't know about all of y'all, but for myself, my favorite periods were really lunch and recess. Like, that was, I was that kid in school. I wasn't a huge brain. I wasn't fan of sitting still. I, I, I was the active kid. I wanted to move. I wanted to be drawing, doodling. Like, I was not all about uh, paying attention to every word that was coming out of my teacher's mouth. Now, some days... I really regret that. I wish I would have gone on and got all my schooling. I wish today you could be calling me Dr. Hannington, but that's not what happened, right? I, I'm, just, I'm just Brendan, and that's okay with me. I've come to grips with that. But outside of those two classes, so you, you cannot tell me today that recess was your favorite or lunch was your favorite because we've now, that, that, that's going to be off the table. But I want to take a little poll in this place. Outside of recess and outside of lunch, I want to know what was your favorite class, okay? So I've got five here, and uh, if you're going to get an opportunity. If your favorite class was English, let me see you raise your hand. So we've got one, we've got a couple, four. Okay, if your favorite class was gym, was any any gym? Yeah, Brendan, there we go. And Anthony, all right, there we go. Do we have any science fanatics in here? Sci- a couple of science fanatics, all right, yeah, yeah. All right, how about languages? Anyone all about, I guess that's kind of English, but I'm talking more like French, Spanish, anything like that, languages, okay. And finally, how about math? Do we have any, okay, a few more math people. Awesome, awesome, okay. What did I forget? History, there we go. We got, there we, all right, history. I told you I only went with five, all right. I I knew I was going to miss something. Geography, all right, yeah. (laughs) So for me, over the years, it kind of changed. It kind of changed here and there. It it was kind of like I was kind of figuring out what I enjoyed. But as a young student, quickly I I figured out that I appreciated or at least enjoyed math. That was was me. I I appreciated mathematics. And and I guess the reason really uh, why I enjoyed mathematics was there was a wrong and there was a right. I mean, history, we can debate history, right? Like, you can talk about it. There's evil people and, you know, all that fun stuff. You can debate sciences. Sciences, you know, stuff they thought were right 15 years ago. They've, they've come up with some new stuff. Or, or, but but with, with math, there, there are, this is how it is. One plus one equals two. I, we can debate about it. We can fight about it. That's great. And I, let's go for it, I guess. But one plus one is going to equal two until the cows come home, right? And so, so I realized as a young man, I enjoyed math class. And uh, in fact, uh, we've got some equations. I, I just want to, th- and this was when I realized that I enjoyed math so much. When I was taking this stuff home, all my other homework was tough, man. But like when I, like, come on. 
Like, right? Like, I'm done my homework in two minutes, right? Like, if, if this was my homework all the way through high school, like, thank you, Jesus. But it wasn't, right? So, anyways. But, but I enjoyed math. In fact, in math class in my seventh and eighth grade, my teacher had figured out a way to make math a little bit more fun. And she played a game by the name of Around the World. Around the World was a game where you went to, one person would start by going to their neighbor's desk. She would have flashcards of multiplication tables. She would flash them, and the first person to say the correct answer got to go to the next neighbor's desk. And you went on and on and on and saw how far you could go. And so Around the World became like my favorite moment of school, and that was like, I was hoping every day Around the World would be played. But math was one of my favorite subjects. And then all of a sudden, something happened. All of a sudden, around the ninth grade, uh, they started introducing English and, and literature into, into math by adding all kinds of weird letters. And I didn't understand. I think I've got a picture of that. They, I didn't understand. Um, no, next one. I didn't understand. I mean, this wasn't too bad. I was like, okay. You've got a letter. I can work with one X. That's perfect. In fact, I, I, you know, but by the time we got down to that two equals X, I already had that figured out. I was impressed, all right? I was, it was a good morning this morning. So, but, but I, I was like, okay, I can deal with one letter. That's great. But then all of a sudden, I think around 10th, 9th, 10th grade, this happened. And I was like, how did we get here? What, like, where, where was the, was I asleep for like eight years or something? Like, how did math go from eight plus eight, eight times eight, eight equals X to uh, what? You know, and, and all of a sudden my life and my love for math kind of diminished, if you will. And uh, all of a sudden my lunch periods became more of like hangout dates with my math teacher and and my winter breaks became hangout time with my math tutor. And I was having a difficult time. I, was being, I was, went from being a 90% student in math to luckily a 50%. And in Canada, 51% is a pass. So thank you, Jesus. Right? So, but it was difficult. All of a sudden, my math grade just started to drop and drop and drop. Things got crazier and crazier and crazier. And I could not quite figure it out. See, with math, it works like this. Everything on one side of the equals sign has to equal what the other side equals, right? There we go. So one side has to equal the other side. It all adds up. Everything goes together. And so that was all making sense to me until all of a sudden it didn't make sense. But then they introduced this beautiful symbol. This beautiful, beautiful symbol. This equals with a big line through it. And all of a sudden, I had all the answers. Like, there it was. I didn't have to figure anything out. I could just add a two over here and then just put equals with a line through it. And all of a sudden, you know, the teachers weren't happy about the answers, but I had the answer, right? I knew that they didn't equal up. I knew that was the answer. And and I, I like I said, I I quit doing math in tenth grade and I went into a business math because you want to talk about money. Hey, I'm here to talk about money. Let's go. So, but uh, but for real, all of a sudden we went to I went to business math because I was doing this math. And if anyone was ever grew up in a high school class, you probably said these words: When am I ever going to use this? 
When am I ever going to use this? And so when I went to business math, I could no longer say that because they started talking about interest rates and, and, and mortgages and all that fun stuff. But I moved on because that equals with a line through it, that not equals sign, it just wasn't getting me the grade. And so I realized that I either had to move on or, or I was going to be in trouble. And sometimes in life, we can see very quickly that life adds up, right? For the most part, your life is going to add up. Your life is going to be full of what you make it, if you will. And if you have friends and you equal t- add some time to that, what's that going to equal? That's going to equal a friendship. If you have a relationship and you add some time to that, well, what's that going to equal? That's going to equal hopefully marriage, uh, young guys, young girls, there you go. And if you, e- if you take some hard work and you add some time to that, what's that going to equal? Maybe a good retirement, right? I mean, if you look at life, life is full of, of an easy math comp math equations and everything in life starts to add up you look at your situation and you can usually see okay here's how I got to where I am today here this plus this plus this got me to where I am right now and so that is life and it might not you might not like the solution you might not like where you are you might not like the problem you might not like how it's all added together and equal to where you are today and that's fair and i understand that not everyone's going to like their their plot in life but if you look at the if you look at your decisions throughout your life you're going to see that all of your decisions have added up to where you are today and sometimes you might look at your situation and feel like this is it this is my lot in life. This is who I am. This is what I'm uh, destined to be. This, this is who I am going to be for the rest of my life. This is what my family is going to be for the rest of my life. There's always going to be that underlying tension in this situation. There's always going to be this problem uh, in this corner of my life, this part of my marriage, this part of my family, this part of my singlehood. I'm always going to have to deal with this because this plus this plus this equals my life. And we look at these situations in our life and we, we just come, we've come almost to grips with it. We've come to terms with it. And this is who I am. There's no changing it. There's no sense even contemplating it. There's no sense worrying about it or stressing about it because this is who I am. I've made these mistakes. I've neglected this situation. I've neglected that thought or this process. And so this is who I am and things just aren't going to change. I'm going to make the best of this bad situation, and this will be fantastic. See, you you might have thought this. I've thought this one way for so long that I can't even change if I wanted to. I've done things so long. I've come to church, and I've left church, and I've acted the same way after leaving church as when I came to church. And so church doesn't help. So this is my lot in life. And if you're not there today, There's a good chance you might be there tomorrow or the next day or next year. Because life has a way of kind of getting to us. But I want to encourage some people today. I want to let you know that with God, not everything is going to add up. 
He has a way of changing the outcome. He has a way of moving in situations when you feel like nothing is moving. He has a way of changing things when you feel like nothing can be changed. But there's got to be some people in here that have a mindset and a determination and an understanding that everything on the surface might not be as it seems. Even though you feel like everything isn't moving and I'm doing my best, I'm pushing my hardest, you've got to understand there is a God who's moving on your behalf. There is a God who wants to see you prosper, wants to see your life go forward, wants to see your life succeed. But you've got to understand, just because everything isn't where it needs to be today, that doesn't mean that your tomorrow won't be better. I just want you to know that your life, just because it's added up to this so far, that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a different equation for your life. Your future can be changed. In fact, the Bible says that the, the God, our God, will give back the years that the Bible uses the term canker worm has stolen. If up until, this li- up until this moment in your life you feel like you've wasted your life, the Bible says that God can restore your years. And all of a sudden, you'll see your life just skyrocket, you know, go like this. And all of a sudden, that five years that you felt you wasted, God restores it. And all of a sudden, you're back on track right where God intended for you to be. Now, you've got to understand, the man we were talking about today, his name is Joseph. Joseph, great young man. In fact, he was one of the youngest born sons to, to the man Jacob, who was also known as Israel, the father of Israel. And Joseph was just, he's kind of an awesome dude. He's just a really cool guy. And he, I mean, he's a young man, and he has some dreams. And he has a dream that his whole family's bowing down to you, bow, down to him. And uh, back to the sibling rivalry thing, if my sister woke up one morning and told me that I was going to bow down to her, uh, yeah, I would tell her to not eat pizza anymore before she goes to bed. That, like, that would be my response, right? Because you're, you're, you're having some weird dreams there, Kai. But, um, but overall, here's Joseph, wakes up early in the morning. You guys are all going to bow down to me. In fact, in my dream, I saw a bunch of hay, uh, all kinds of uh, bundled hay, and your bundles of hay were all bowing down to my bundles of hay, and, and it's like, okay, Joseph, cool, man, <laughs> see you later. All right, Dad, go get him checked out, you know? Like, that's what, that's what the brothers are doing. But Joseph has this understanding that God's got a plan for my life. There's dreams that I want to see come to pass in my life. Well, you watch as the story unfolds, the brothers go off to take care of the sheep. And right away, you see Joseph's character. Because his father goes, do you mind taking this food to your brothers? And Joseph says, yeah, I don't mind. I will serve my brothers. They might not treat me properly. They might not, they might not talk nicely to me. But I will serve my brothers. And they, he goes and he serves them. And look, we, we read what happened. He ends up in a pit being sold into slavery. And then he goes and he, he, he sold as a servant. And you guys can say, well, he, was, he had to serve. Well, yeah, he did have to serve, but he works in a man's house by the name of Potiphar. And in Potiphar's house, he serves so well that he becomes the head servant. Like he's all of a sudden got servants under him because he served. He said, it doesn't matter my situation. It doesn't matter my lot in life. It doesn't matter that things aren't adding up to what I thought my dreams would be. I'm going to serve in spite of that. And so he serves. All of a sudden, there's a big scandal. He gets lied about, and he gets thrown into jail. And once again, you see him one more time. One more time, we see two other guys get thrown into jail, and Joseph serves these two men. 
man, I, I don't know about you, but at some point in my life, I'm going to be like, let them take care of themselves. Like, man, l- look where I'm at. Like, I, I've got, t- you know, times are tough in my life. Like, let them take care of them. But no, Joseph continued to serve. Because he served these two men, one ended up being the cupbearer for the Pharaoh, and Pharaoh has a nasty dream, doesn't know how to interpret it, and this cupbearer says, I know a guy that can interpret your dreams. And so what does, look, look what happens to Joseph. He doesn't turn it down. I don't know. At some point after all this bad happens, I might say, you know what, I've, I'm kind of comfortable here in this cell. I've kind of made it home. But he goes, no, I, I'll go serve the Pharaoh. And so he serves the Pharaoh, tells the Pharaoh his dream, tells him there's going to be seven good years of crops and then seven years of famine. And so during these seven good years, we better put away for the seven bad years. And because of this, the Pharaoh makes him the second in all of Egypt. So you look at this man, and I look at his life, and, and I look at his dreams. This guy had dreams that his family was one day going to bow down to him. Now, I don't know if he thought, very, like if he was being braggadocious about it, if he knew that it was somehow he was going to save his family. I don't understand all that. But he had dreams. And when he looked at his lot in life, when he looked at his position in life, whether it was when he was being sold into slavery, whether it was when he was in Potiphar's house, whether it was when he was thrown into jail because of a massive scandal and accusations against him that weren't true, at some point I might say to myself, this just isn't adding up. My dreams just aren't, I must have been wrong. I must have had some bad food. I I don't know, but uh, this isn't adding up. My dreams, I, I thought they were a God thing. I thought this was a God thing, but my, my life isn't adding up to what I had imagined. And, and I believe that some of us are right where Joseph was. My life isn't quite where I thought it would be. This isn't who I thought I was going to be at this point in my life. I didn't think this is where I was going to be. I didn't think this was going to be where I was working. I didn't think these were going to be my friends. I didn't think this was going to be my church. I didn't think this was going to be where I was in life. But this is where you find yourself. And that is where Joseph found himself. This doesn't all make sense. But Joseph had an outlook on his life that I believe kept him in line with what God where God wanted him. And today, that's where I'm saying you have the choice. That's where I'm saying you have the choice. You might not feel like everything is where it needs to be, but you are where you need to be. You're in the house of God this morning. You might have looked at all your situations and saying, I don't see where God's moving in this, but at least you've put yourself in the house of God this morning and said, okay, God, I want to add you to the mix. Because although this isn't all equaling up, I know if you're on one side of this equation, then the answer is going to be the right answer. And if you're in church today, I believe God can minister and move in your situation. And like I said, it might not all add up, but God is being added to the equation. A couple of things Joseph did and I want to talk about this morning. Number one, number one thing he did, he stayed away from the woe is me mentality. He stayed away from the woe is me mentality. Um, if you look through the Bible, I mean, I was, it's a fun theological debate. I know this is like me geeking out over Bible, but um, really you can't find a place where Joseph sins. I mean, he, he, he really doesn't sin. I mean, he was kind of petty when he... he when his family finally did bow down to him and he didn't tell them that he was, you know, because here he is all tanned and pretty in Egypt and so his brothers didn't recognize him and they bowed down and he was kind of petty. But, um, but that, that's not, is that a sin? 
maybe um, if pettiness is a sin, oh Lord God, I need your help. Um, but but he he got he he got down, but he never got out. He he might have got discouraged in some moments. I mean, the Bible really doesn't even tell us that much. But I'm a, this is Brendan taking a, a leap here, but. If I was thrown into jail, if I was thrown into a pit by my brothers, if I was sold into slavery, if I was lied about, accused, wrongfully thrown into jail, I might have a bad day. Like, I might, I might wake up and go, today, I don't feel like doing anything. Today, I'm a little depressed. Today, I'm a little angry. But nowhere in the Bible do you see Joseph say, I'm done. I quit. I'm out. I've had enough. This isn't for me. Thank you, God, but no thanks. Not one time does he do that. Although he might have got down, I'm telling you right now, Joseph never quit. He had a determination about him. He was not going to stop. There wasn't anything that was going to get in his way that was going to stop him from keep living and keep going on. Now, you've got, you've got your choices to make. Just because it doesn't add up, it's not finished. But you've got, you can't get to that place where you say, woe is me. Why is this happening to me? Oh, do I, God, what did I do? What, where am I? I mean, even Job, in the midst of all of his stuff, he was still able to say, bless the Lord. Job, this man who, who God allowed the devil to just have free reign on his life, Job still said, I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Naked I came into this earth, naked I'll leave, but I will bless the Lord. Because he knew it wasn't about the situation, but it wasn't about woe is me. It was about lifting up Jesus Christ. So the number one thing that you can do in your life, you need to look at your situation and don't say, why me? Don't say, woe is me. Don't look at your, your lot and say, this isn't fair. But understand that if you keep going. Let that determination overtake you. Just get a, a determination in your spirit and say, uh, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. And, and just get that inside of you and say, I'm not stopping here. This doesn't look good. Everything around me is not how I thought it would look, but I'm not living here. I'm not staying here. Number two, he served everyone everywhere as much as he could. Everyone everywhere as much as he could. The Bible, it's so, I mean, it's amazing. And I, I was so fascinated by it while I read this story of Joseph over again. I was like, wow, like everywhere, everywhere he goes, every, every part of his story, the, the first thing he's doing is serving. And if, if you're in a bad place and you don't know what you're doing, can I tell you, just start serving where you're at. Start serving your family. Start serving your, your, your spouse. Start serving your, your, your kids. Kids, start serving your parents. I'm telling you, if you don't know what to do in life, start serving somewhere. Look for what you can do, where you're at, and start putting yourself to work. I'm telling you, here at LifePoint, you want to get plugged in at LifePoint, the first thing you need to do is get on, get on one of our teams. Get on the dream team. I'm telling you, it's an area where you can serve. You might feel like, man, I, I feel like I'm doing so little when I join the dream team. Start serving somewhere. Start serving somewhere. And then all of a sudden you're going to start serving. And all of a sudden there's going to be an avenue that opens up, a doorway that opens up. But it won't open up until you start serving. And I was watching that with Joseph. And I was like, okay, well, most of his serving got him into more trouble. But in the end of the story, all of his serving led to exactly where God wanted him to be. Although his serving in his mind might have kept equaling pain, 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 
really, in the end, his serving equaled the will of God. In Hebrews 6, verse 10, do we have that there? Let's read some of these scriptures. Hebrews 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Let's look at Galatians 5, 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Matthew 23, verse 11. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Mark 10, 45. This is the greatest one. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Even our God who came down to this earth and lived on this earth for 33 years and died a horrible death. He came. He could have come as anything. But he came as a servant. And that's where we need to be. If you're looking at your life and it doesn't, you're not happy with where you're at. And you've made mistakes and you understand that, okay, maybe I deserve where I am. I've got, it, I've got it, something to tell you. God has bigger things for you. God's got a plan for your life. But it starts with serving. Number three for Joseph. So number one, he stayed away from that woe is me mentality. That'll kill you so quick. That'll, that'll set you off course. You, you, it's so hard to get back on track once you get that woe is me mentality because all of a sudden that gets into everything. That gets into your whole life and that gets into your family and that gets into your friends and then all of a sudden your friends back off. All of a sudden your family's like, oh, but stay away from that woe is me mentality. Number two, serve. Serve wherever you can. Serve every opportunity you get a chance. Number three, his relationship with God never wavered. His relationship with God never wavered. Now, we can, we can say Joseph was a just man. In fact, we can say because we got to see the other side of the tabloids, right? All of Egypt, all they got to see was the tabloids and the lies about Joseph. We got the Bible, so we got the other side of the story, right? So we know that this man was full of integrity. This man, even in the, he, he probably could have gotten away with that, with those scandals. But instead, this man was full of integrity. He was a just man. He was a moral man. He was, he, he, was, he was like high standards, man. But more importantly, like you can be a moral man all you want. You can be a just man all you want. You can be full of integrity. Way to go. I'll, I'll applaud you all the way to integrity. But this man had a relationship with God. And that set him apart from all the integrity in the world that you can have. That set him apart from all the moral, that, that all the goodness that you can do. Because you know what the Bible tells me is that my goodness is as filthy rags. Your goodness is as filthy rags. You can be as good as you want. I'm happy. Be good. I want a church full of good people. That's, that's what LifePoint wants. But at the end of the day, our goodness is all but filthy rags but the righteousness of God. And that's why the Bible says, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. Why? Because our righteousness is no good. So we look to his righteousness. And so this is what Joseph was doing. He wasn't just looking at himself and saying, well, I've been a good guy and I've been very moral and I've been full of integrity. Why is this keep? No, he stayed away from that and he knew a relationship with God is what's gonna get me from where I am today to where God wants me the next day, right? He understood that my yesterday everything here in the past yes it's happened I don't understand it it doesn't add up I, it doesn't equate I don't know why it's happened but my relationship with God today is going to get me where he wants me tomorrow 
So although he could look back, although you can look back and say, my yesterdays have gotten me where I am today, and I don't understand why I am where I am today, but if you have a relationship with God today, and you put that as number one priority in all that you do, all of a sudden, you're going to start to see some things unfold. All of a sudden, I believe God's going to start to work on your behalf like he did for Joseph. All of a sudden, there's going to be opportunities to serve. All of a sudden, there's going to be opportunities that start to open up. All of a sudden, your life's going to go from just being a wild mess that doesn't equate to, oh, I see why now I went through that. Oh, I see now why I went through that. Because with God, one plus one doesn't always equal two, right? With God, he does the impossible. We can only do what's possible. But my God, he goes beyond that. Everything with God doesn't always equate because it's greater. It's greater than anything we can imagine. It's greater than anything we could have ever asked for. That's what he says in Ephesians. Greater things than you could even imagine, think, ask. It's all according to him. So we need to understand that even when we do our best, it might not work out the way we want it. But if God, if our relationship with God is unwavering, then all of a sudden, we're going to see greater things than we could ever imagine. I want to tell you that Joseph probably looked at his situation multiple, multiple, multiple times. When you're in a situation like he's in, when you're in, when you're in a dark pit, when you're in a dark prison, and some of you might feel like you're in that dark pit, that dark pit or that dark prison today, and you might be asking those same questions that Joseph, why, why did I get, how did this happen? Like, how? Wow. And you, you're looking at everything and saying, I, it, I guess it all adds up. I guess it all gets to here. Joseph probably never saw that seat next to Pharaoh ever opening up. Because everything in his life, if he was adding it up, he saw himself in prison. And maybe he could work himself up to maybe getting a little bit more time on the yard or getting an extra meal a day. Maybe if he was really good in prison, maybe he'd get, you know, one of his smelly roommates out of there or something, you know. But that's where he was at. His addition was adding up to a better life in a prison cell. And maybe that's where you're at today. You're looking at your, your situation saying, well, I'll make the best of this prison cell. I'll make the best of where I'm at today. I'll make the best of this situation or, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll deal th- this sin in my life, this secret sin in my life. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll try and curb it as much as I can. I'll, I'll try and deal with it by my own strength, my own power, and, and I'll live with this situation. I'll live with this, this thing in my life. But Joseph, because he was putting God first, didn't understand that God was working on the other side of that equal sign. He was making things add up in a way Joseph would have never dreamed of. He was, he was opening up that position in, in Egypt so that he could save not only himself, but he could save the whole nation of Israel. All of his brothers, all of his family would then come from Canaan, and they would bow down before him and say, we need food. This famine's now taking our lives. And because this young man said, you know what, I'm just doing the best I can. I'm doing it. I, I, he didn't get into that woe is me mentality. He, didn't, he kept serving, and he kept putting his relationship with God as a priority in his life. All of a sudden, because of those things God said yeah you see what's on the surface and it might not be adding up to everything you wanted but I've got you right where I've got you for a reason and it's because there's going to be many people on this earth saved because of you so you might be looking at your situation today and I want you to know God's working on your behalf 
and everything you're going through, there is a reason. And it might not equal to everything you're hoping it was going to equal for, but God is working on your behalf to make it something greater. To see your family saved, to see your friends saved, to see miracles happen at your workplace, to see a promotion for you. There is a reason what's going on in your life, and that reason is God is in control, and God is in the works on your behalf. I want you to know your failures do not equal who you are. Your past does not equal your future. 2016 you does not equal 2017 you. You have a choice today, and that choice is to say, yes, I've gone where I've gone. I've done what I've done, but God, you're in control, and I'm expecting you to move on my behalf. Young people, you look at your situations, you might feel like you, you've just messed up too far, you've gone too far, you've done too much, you, you don't deserve the, the call God's put on your life. I'm telling you, God's got a call for your life, and it doesn't matter where you've gone, what you've done. God has a purpose for you, and you can live it out awesome, awesome, awesomely for his kingdom, and do great things for his kingdom. You're, you're young, and you've got all of the energy in the world, take advantage of it. Don't take this time to just push aside and say, well, I can live my life however I want to live my life right now, and I'll I'll come to God when I'm 25, when I'm 30. No, take advantage of the fact that you can have a relationship with God all the way through your teen years and your early 20s, all the way through college, and just see what God does with your life. Everything might not be adding up. And if I could get some music. Everything might not be adding up, and you may not know how it's all going to work out, but I want you to keep hope. Keep your head up. Don't get that woe mentality. I want you to keep serving and keep your relationship with God as your priority. Let's all stand this morning. God wants to move in this place today. And you might have brought some hurt into this place. You might have brought some pain. You might have been, it might be old hurt. It might be new hurt. It might be new confusion, old confusion. Maybe there's, maybe there's family tension. Maybe there's, there's marital tension. I don't know. But I'm just letting you know God wants to move on your behalf today. He wants, to, he wants to take your situation that you're looking at and saying, I don't have an answer for this. And the answer I do have isn't the answer I like. And it is the answer that it's equaling up to. But I want you to know we, we serve a great God. And he gives us more than we ever deserve. In fact, today, if, you, if you've never lived for God, if you've never been in a church before, there's a God in heaven that loves you so much that the Bible says he came to this earth and he lived and he died that your sins could be forgiven. And this is how it works. All you do is you, you, you just say, God, I'm sorry for the sins that I've, I've committed. Will you forgive me? And we serve a God that's so good. Guess what he does? He forgives us. And in, in, and in exchange, the Bible says that our death, the wages of our sin, sorry, is death. And do you know what God does? He trades, even though my sin equals death, he, he messes that all up. And he says, you give me my, your sin, and I'll give you my life. And so today, there's a God that just wants to breathe some life into some situations today. He wants to mess up some of these equations that have been taking place in your life. These hurts that have just been ravaging your life, these, 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 these things that have been tormenting you and you can't sleep. And there is a God in heaven today that cares where you are and knows where you are. And he wants to speak and breathe life into those situations.
So this morning, I'm opening up this altar, and I, I would ask that we would come, and let's lift up our hands, and let's just ask God, move on my situation. You see right where I'm at, God. You know what's going on in my life. You know what it's supposed to equal, but I need you in this equation. I'm putting you in this equation. Mess up the whole equation, God.